Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios... song the podcast that asks artists to talk about songs that changed them the songs that won't let them go because songs can change you for sure and let's be honest sometimes it's not just a song it's a record or an artist or a band but music music can change you and show you something different and transform you and the music that changes you i'm always up for talking about that I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode, we hear from Tom Green, the drummer from Alt-J, as well as from members of the Austin band, Ume. And I'm not going to lie, we cover a lot of ground today. Lots of music that showed people lots of different things. So let's get started. First of all, Tom Green. He plays drums for Alt-J and is also a producer in his own right. And, you know, Alt-J has a new record out called this is all yours and they were at austin city limits music festival and backstage at austin city limits music festival well they were busy they were trying to fit in all these interviews and i was told that i had five minutes with tom which is not a ton of time but which i was happy to have and i didn't really know what to expect but i did not expect him to do what he did which was really take me through his influences from teenagehood until now, which was actually really cool, all the way from Nirvana to music inspired by video games. So here he is, Tom Green. Okay, um, well, growing up, um, I was a huge metal fan, and I played in... uh, I was in bands at school and uh, we would play heavy music, like uh-huh. a lot of grunge and things. And I would say the first, the first band that had a, a, the biggest impact would be Nirvana. I mean, I started playing with drums when I was a kid. Okay. Just messing around and um, like a kid, like five or like a yeah, kid? like oh, five really? or six. Yeah, my Do dad you... bought me like a mini drum kit when I was three. Oh my gosh! Um, and um, so I've always been obsessed with rhythm, mostly. Yeah. Um, and and so Nirvana, like being the age I was, I was like twelve, I think. Um, I really liked the kind of uh, the aggression behind it and the rhythm as well. Like the the, the drums in Nirvana, uh, they everyone knows they're good, but like. I don't think people really appreciate how good they are. I don't think I've ever listened to Nirvana for the drums, yeah. which like. Well, that's a good. Yeah. S- there's partly that's a good sign because it works. You know, you don't want to you don't want to listen to an album and the drums are just like. They're so present that you're unless like, it's ah, an intentional hey, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, Dave Gold's drumming is very it's very subtle, but it's very um, it's very complex as well. And then uh, 
I listened to the Deftones a lot uh, growing up. So Abe Cunningham, the drummer from the Deftones, is probably my biggest influence as a drummer. Um, I learned a lot of, I taught myself, so a lot of the stuff I was learning came from, from him. Um, so a lot of my style, like playing even now, is similar to his, I would say, anyway. I mean, what is it about his drumming as opposed to like other people's drumming? And I'd be interested to know what Dave Grohl's drumming is. Like, what what is it in there as opposed? Like, do you hear or that kind of strikes you? You know? Well, I, I a lot of it is the production, like the production, like the quality of this, the sound of the drums. Oh, okay. Um, so I like I like a good solid sounding drum kit. So I I use a ten inch snare drum, which is tiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it cracks, has a real crack to it, uh-huh. and it pierces through everything. And I really like so. And and Deftones drums are similar to that. He doesn't use that small of a drum, a snare drum. But um, um, and so like White Pony, for example, the production on that is very, uh, it's very electronic sounding, but it still has that acoustic side to it as well. And the the uh, he's he's known for his kind of ghost notes mm-hmm. and his polyrhythms and things. Um, and so whilst it's subtle, it's again very complex. At the moment I purely listen to electronic stuff, so, so the Deftones, the, their grooves are similar to a lot of like uh, dubstep, for example. Okay. Sem- similar tempos. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that, so I, and then I started listening to really, really, really heavy metal, um, like, uh, uh, like you know, like Cannibal Corpse and like a band called Extreme Noise Terror, um, stuff that was like as as uh, as noisy as possible. Is there an ability to be subtle in drumming like that? Like, I mean, or is it more about like? Aggression and drive. There's definitely. I mean, it it, it depends. There, are, there's definitely. I think extreme metal bands. It is more about the, the force and the, and the, and the, the loudness and the aggression. Um, yeah, I think it'd be hard to find a, a band like that that had subtle anything. I, I, um, I think the majority of metal is pretty. But when I say subtle, maybe subtle's not the one. Like like Lamb of God, for example. Uh, the drums, um, they're like so on point, like it's not just, it's, he's not just going for it, like it's very, very technical, um, but it works. Like it's precise yet like yeah, heavy hitting and driving? Yeah. Yeah. It still has that real force and aggression, but it's, it syncs with the, the, the guitars and the bass really like perfectly. a metal band called Meshuga, uh-huh. who are uh, like a Swedish metal band, and they they define like their own genre. Like they there's nothing else like them. They they use a, like it's all like polyrhythms, so everything like it's very hard to follow, but it's all kind of like downstroke guitar, and then the drums follow it, and uh-huh. you it's, you can't like you can't predict what what the the kind of tempo the beat is, 
which is really, really interesting. It's very challenging. But does it take multiple listens before your brain will actually like process what's yeah, going exactly. on? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. some tracks I still, um, still can't figure it out. So metal's had a huge influence on me in terms of my drumming. And then I went to university and I started listening to Radiohead. And Radiohead like opened up like a whole different world of listening and making music for me. Like I consider them to be the best the best band in the world. I don't understand it, like the, the sounds they make, like the, the emotion that they, they, they create out of thin air is incredible. Um, and it sounds like they took you to a place where it wasn't about like, like it was, it was like rhythm, 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 figuring out how like this is happening in the rhythm side. And then you hear Radiohead and it's like melody, emotion, all the yeah, other things melody, that yeah, are like exactly. the... Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. I never, I never thought about that before. And so... Um, that really influenced, I make a lot of uh, electronic stuff. And so that influenced me um, in terms of my production and um, just thinking about emotion in music and how you can evoke things with melody. And then, and then and now, now I'm listening to like Aphex Twin and um, a lot of uh, kind of minimal kind of techno and things. Like there's, a, there's an artist called Yamaneko, uh -huh. who's a London based producer. He has an album called Pixel Wave Embrace. I start, started listening to that recently and he's influenced by computer game soundtrack. Yeah. Like the old Sonic the Hedgehog and things like that. Yeah. But his production is very contemporary so it's, he has that kind of those simple melodies but with a with a contemporary production style which is um, it's really really interesting. It's extremely relaxing. Now do you think you're entering into a phase where you're trying to figure out how to get to those same places as simply as possible? Like, is that, maybe, yeah. it sounds like it's maybe that minimalism is interesting you. I go from, I go from one extreme to the other, like part of me just wants to make the most aggressive sounding thing you've ever heard, just pure noise. And then, then when I'm actually producing, like I, I, I have a tendency to make melodies. So um, I, I kind of, I'm that, it's a kind of, it is kind of confusing. Cause I, I don't know, it seems like it's a tension you've been dealing with ever since you started really liking things. Like the, the difference between like wanting to have something really precise and wanting to like have polyrhythms and emotion. Kind of, like how do, you, how do you meld the two? It's very complicated, but, um, but then if I figured it out, then that would be the end of all things. You're the first and last of your kind And below me is every other freckle from Alt-J And once you listen, you can hear it all in there And you see, that was a lot of ground covered and not a lot of time But I dug it I know the conceit of this podcast is to talk about one musical 
experience. But the truth is that most artists have a ton. Often the problem is narrowing it down to one song or one record. And Tom Green, he didn't narrow it down. He took us through the timeline that he'd created in his mind, the timeline of musical influence. And now when I hear Alt-J, when I listen to the rhythms and the drumming, you know, I just like knowing where things are coming from. Next up is the band Ume from Austin. They're a trio and they play serious rock and roll and they have a new EP out called Too Big World where they cover Neil Young and Archers of Loaf, which is just cool. And they do my favorite Archers of Loaf song, Web in Front, which I got really excited about. And they sat down with me backstage at Austin City Limits Music Festival. And we did a group interview. We started with drummer Aaron Perez, then moved on to guitar player and singer Lauren Larson and ended up with bassist Eric Larson. And each of them had an experience of music that showed them something new and something that they wanted to do. So here they are. Ume. So the, the record that always comes to mind when somebody asks me a record that changed my life is uh, Delau's in the Comatorium by the Mars Volta. It was Mars Volta's first full-length record, which consists of uh, Cedric Zavala on vocals, Omar Rodriguez, John Theodore, who plays with Queens of Stone Age now, drum, drummer, and then uh, Ike Owens on keys. I think when it came out, it came out in 03, I believe. So I was like 16, 16 17. Well, it was just, it was like a certain style of music that I'd never heard before. They kind of got me into Crimson and Yes and Floyd and, and got me back into Zeppelin and all that stuff. It was an unknown feeling, an unknown sound that I had never heard before. So I think that's what was interesting about it. Did you, did you like sit down and then try to like, what, what are they doing? I have to figure out more about yeah, this, yeah, about I this music. To, I try to learn all the drum parts. And oh, so you to, sat down and actually sat like... Down and learned, yeah, and try to figure it all out. It was just an amazing band. Cool. Do you, do you think that you bring that some of what you learned from that in the ume pretty, would you call it more math like mathematical uh, no it's like uh pretty bombastic a little mathematical um definitely a little proggy just creative interesting drum parts yeah kind of opened you up to like just what more you could do with exactly. drums as opposed to just like keep the groove exactly. and keep the beat yeah excellent well thanks so much How about you? Yeah, um, you know, I've talked a lot before about kind of what influenced me as a guitar player, but one thing I really haven't ever opened up about is what's influenced me as a vocalist. Because I was the person that always played guitar for years before I ever thought I could even talk into a microphone. I was always terrified of it. <laughs> and um, so I'd already played in punk rock bands and grindcore bands as a guitarist. And I remember hearing uh, Sonic Youth's song, Ineffable Me, off of A Thousand Leaves. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I'd seen Sonic Youth. Play, play a bunch of four, but then there was a, a scream that Kim Gordon does at the end of that. Ah! 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 
remember telling my mom at the kitchen table, I go, I wish I could do that. And I was maybe about, I don't know, 14 years old, 15 And you were already old. playing guitar? I was already playing like... guitar. I, was, I started playing my first band at, at age 14, but that was with my head down, you know, back to the crowd. But I was still playing kind of some fast, yeah, yeah, yeah. fast rock and roll. And um, when we kind of started the, the band that eventually became Ume, I, I went back to that song, in Ineffable Me, and there's a you know, scream just lets out the end, and that was the first thing I did into the microphone. Oh, really? Was just like, I just gotta let this go, and you know, that's kinda... <laughs> and how old out. were you when you first did that scream? Like, how long did it take from the time you are 14 to the time where you, like... Seven years, 21. Seven years? Yeah, but uh, so I'd done music a long time before I ever, yeah. And how, I mean, what did you, when you're 14 and you heard that scream, like, what was it that made you think, like, that, that's what I want? Like, did it make Freedom you... Freedom and female empowerment. It was never about sounding perfect. I'm never going to be the, the perfect singer. You're never going to catch me on American Idol, you know? <laughs> I feel embarrassed singing happy birthday to people, but there's something about when you can just let let go and let your voice be what it is. Yeah. With all the graviness and, and, and I, but now I've learned as I've gotten more, you know, older and, you know, a little more confident as a vocalist, though. Pe people like the imperfections. They like the character of the voice. Well, I think that's because, I mean, it's almost like what people look for in music is kind of like that pre-verbal, like, feeling thing. They're not, mm -hmm. they're looking for something that makes them feel and like yeah. a scream. Visceral, yeah. Will make you feel, you know. Free. Did it feel free to scream into that microphone? Like, how did it? Yeah, I haven't stopped since. So. <laughs> did you pretty much? Did you pretty quickly get over that fear of being in front of the band? Like, it's always I'm um, still there to an extent, but now I just let let go. I yeah. think it encouraged me a lot to just kind of take on this more like you know persona of I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing you know a performance and being wild and and, and free and um, screaming, kind of making yourself. It's really it's a vulnerable experience. Yeah. Yeah. And when else can you just sit there and scream? Yeah, I think people should do it more often. You know? I actually kind of want, like now I actually kind of want to scream yeah. into this microphone right now. I mean, it's very, it's a very free experience. And if that's the first thing you ever do into a microphone, like, that's a good way to start. And, skateboarding gave me a tape of uh, 13 songs and I remember putting, putting it on and when it first started I was like oh my gosh this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard and the thing about it that uh, sort of stuck with me was that it was it always felt about energy so pumped up I went and played that tape probably 12 <laughs> hours a day and skated in my garage constantly to this record over and over and over and over again and I always thought man if only it was a little bit faster and then that, then I finally heard Minor Threat. I 
heard Ian McKay's voice and I was like, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. I love this so much. There's so much uh, power to it and energy and, uh, and kind of frustration and anger, but like excitement to it. And then when I finally heard Minor Threat, I was like, whoa, this is it. I'm done. I don't have to do anything else now. This is the world. So I was, it really introduced me to punk rock and it introduced me to, to that mindset of uh, you know, doing things yourself and being a part of community and uh, kind of lifting each other up and being positive with with your friends and that being like your your core of who you are. And uh, it from then then on, that was just who I was and what I wanted to do. And were I, you playing just, music at the time, or were no, you mostly I wasn't. skateboarding? Yeah, I was just skating, and I just was like, this is the greatest thing ever. These guys were just a punk band, and I felt I felt like I got into something that no one had know, known of. Mm -hmm. You know, when I I was like. Oh, I like this band Fugazi, and new, but you know, other people, they were talking about ACDC or something. And he, yeah. was this around like 13? I, yeah, I was young. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I just remember I was like in elementary school. Oh and, no way! Yeah, because it was before I ever moved down to Texas. And Wait, so, you tapped into Minor Threat and Fugazi before you moved when you were in elementary school? There, I got lucky because my friend that was skated, his dad was uh, he he drove a tour bus. Uh -huh. And so they introduced me to things like The Cure and a bunch of things like that. And so uh, for whatever reason, this kid, I think his dad was gone a lot, so he got to do whatever he wanted. And one of those things he got out of that was <laughs> listening to more experimental music like Fugazi. And he got me into ministry like, uh, oh and, you know, butthole surfers and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, so he got me into Fugazi. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Anytime but now, anywhere but here, anyone but me. I wish I wish we were actually videoing this because like you when you talk about like feeling that energy like you actually look like oh yeah no, I, just talking was... about it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah that for, from then on that was one of the things I think with Ume that I feel I always wanted to do for other people was play music that other somebody else can get really amped up about and that is that's always been what music has been for me as far as like I still like quiet bands like I'm only listening to things that light your hair on fire but just the process of, of watching a band getting amped up and getting excited about it and just having a good time is just that's it well yeah I mean like I think that's what people that People go to see music for a lot of reasons, but like to see a band and to have them put that energy out and have that freedom, like the yeah. freedom of the scream, the freedom of that energy, then makes people feel like like they can be open and free and energetic too. And it's like a real, it's like a gift you get to give yeah. to audiences and stuff. And um, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> to have like a formative experience like that young, because I know in elementary school, I was pretty much just listening to like Madonna, which is great. I mean, you know, on my pink boombox, but um, I, it would have been I cool to be I only had that record. That was pretty <laughs> much, it's like this opened up this world. It was like, oh man, I got two records now and I listen well, to them the, all the time. Yeah, well, back in the day when you only had yeah. like a couple records yeah. and you would just wear them That's out. Different. There's a certain beauty to the limitations yeah. that we used to have yeah. with music. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys, thanks so much for thanks sitting so down much. with me. I really yeah. appreciate it. Right on. you're hearing Too Big World from the Too Big World EP from Ume. And you know, I love the full band interview. I love hearing where people are coming from. And I love hearing about experiences where people hear something and they say like that, 
that's what I want to do. I want to play drums like John Theodore. I want to scream like Kim Gordon. I want to make people feel the way I feel when I hear minor threat. Just yes to all of that. Yes to that feeling. And that's it. We've come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9. It was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, and David Sanger with help from Art Levy. The interviews were recorded by Jake Perlman out at the Austin City Limits Music Festival. Thanks to Peter Babb for everything he does, like booking over 300 acts in Studio 1A a year, plus organizing everything out at the festivals and generally being rad. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's very own hardproof Afrobeat. You can email us at this song at KUTX or tweet us at this song KUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes or follow us on Stitcher. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I know you're busy, but if you have a moment, We'd love a rating or a review for any of the podcasts, really. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later. Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org.